when I began to look for family, even in strangers, it was often through photography. There I would snap a picture of somebody. Photos make me incredibly happy, deeply, deeply happy, deeply satisfied. Welcome to Your Magic. I'm Michelle T. And today I'm hanging out with Catherine McKinley, curator of the McKinley Collection, a photographic archive of African photography that stems from 1870 to today. Her book, The African Lookbook, A Visual History of 100 Years of African Women, is a fashion revelation, and it dives deep into class and colonialism, trends and gender. We're going to talk about her work, and then I'm going to give her her very first tarot reading. After that, we're reunited with beloved friend of the pod, Veronica Agard, who shares an ancestor ritual. Stay with us. I recently got married. Don't worry, I am going to find a way to work that into my intros for like the next year, okay? My husband is a Taurus and really possesses that Taurian trait of being fascinated with history and tradition, sort of locating yourself amongst the tracks your ancestors have made upon this earth. He spends a lot of time on the internet investigating Spanish graveyards and searching for the passenger manifests of 19th century ships bound for North America. For our wedding, it was important to him to represent people in his family who couldn't be there. He'd actually printed out a life-sized cardboard cutout of his 93-year-old grandmother who couldn't make the trip. It was also important for him to represent people who were gone, even long gone, ones he'd never known. For the day, his father lent him a golden signet ring, his family's sole heirloom passed down from fathers to sons for generations. It's etched with a looping cursive P and has some simple angular details on the side of the band. Classic and classy. But though it is a legit heirloom, nobody really knows its story, where it came from and why, who gifted it and who received it. My husband, a devotee of unsolved mysteries and forensic files, is slightly obsessed with this enigmatic ring. The etching on the inside says EP to AP, 1956, but all his hours spent in the throes of various keyword searches has not turned up anything helpful. At a dead end, we turned, as so many facing dead ends do, toward the psychic arts. Unsurprisingly, friend of the pod, Marcella Kroll, has the gift of, among other things, psychometry. The term psychometry was created by Joseph Rhodes Buchanan, a 19th century Kentucky doctor who believed that all objects had energetic radiance, emitted the vibrations of the universe, and that one could pick up psychic information from thoughtfully tuning into the object's aura. The past is entombed in the present, he wrote. I wondered if, in our era of remote and virtual everything, where even Reiki is offered via Zoom, if it was possible to get a hit on the ring with photos. Marcella affirmed that it is. I trust Marcella's gifts with my whole spirit and quickly did a little photo shoot of the ring. I put it on a piece of white printer paper because I didn't want the entombed past of like my vintage dining table to pop up and confuse the reading. In a little bit, Marcella responded with a series of voice notes. Marcella's immediate hit was that the ring was a gift from a father to a son, right, with a strong rite of passage vibe that was always meant to be an heirloom. She felt very heavy masculine energy with it, but also a light and vibrant spirit, a strong youthfulness. The original owner, she detected, was very connected to their youth and had much forward motion. She could feel that there was a time when the ring was forgotten for a little bit, lost in the shuffle. Quote, there's almost an awakening of energy in the ring, she said. So if your partner wants to connect more to that energy, they can. 
I think almost like blessing the ring a little bit, giving it its own purpose and ceremony would be super helpful. It's also very symbolic of him maturing in his own life if he wants to connect to it that way. I love this read on the ring. While it may not be able to reveal the names and dates of who passed it to whom, the ring's underlying magical function, which is tended to unwittingly by the many hands it passed through, it's revealed. And now the stage is set for my husband to make that unwitting magic more intentional if he wishes. And though Dr. Buchanan's theories, always controversial, have been written off as pseudoscience, it is actual scientific knowledge that all things in the universe, from our bodies to our computers to the mountains in the distance, are vibrating. At the molecular level, they're twirling and oscillating, wiggling and grooving. My husband's heirloom ring may look like a solid chunk of 14 karat gold, but deep down it is emitting energy and ethereal information legible to those with the extreme sensitivities to its story. So cool. Here's Catherine McKinley. Catherine McKinley, thank you so much for being on this show. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I love your book very much. I was shopping in a bookstore and it was face out and it just kind of like jumped off the shelves at me. And I was like, that looks really special and really inspiring and deep. And I grabbed it and it was, of course, all of those things. I want to ask you if there is a spiritual component to the work of collecting all of these images of African women and, and how they present themselves. And, and what was that for you? How did it feel? How did it manifest? It, it's hugely spiritual for me. I think really, I'm an adoptee. I was adopted by a white family in the 1960s. And I it was like a complete obliteration of any family history. And I'm Jewish, um, Choctaw Indian and African American. And so there was even the that complexity was not something that I knew until I was in my 20s, almost 30. So for me, it was really about looking for this kind of lost mother figure and maternal attachment. And so very early on, I made friends with a few African women. There were almost no black people at all in my the town that I grew up in. And there was one woman from Sierra Leone who was a nurse and was living there for a short time. And she be, we became friends very early on. And so she kind of opened the ground for my interest. And, you know, she was so different from all the other women that I knew. She offered a lot of emotional sustenance that I hadn't had. and then she gave me a photograph. I was looking at it the other day. And then when I began to to look for family, even in strangers, it was often through photography. Either I would snap a picture of somebody or I'd be given a photo. When I started traveling to Africa in the 19, well, it was 1991, people would often give you a gift and photos were very expensive, very precious. So it was a, you know, a very important gift. And I, I kept those, and then I went to a show at the Guggenheim in 1996 of African studio photography, and it was a whole new world. I mean, it rewrote everything that I knew because it was primarily African photographers, so they were really remaking this whole world and all the images that, that I'd seen of Africa before then. So that, that's really what it was, and it continues to be that. I The photos make me incredibly happy, deeply, deeply happy deeply satisfied. All through COVID, I've spent all my time cataloging them. And I just kind of love living with the stories and looking at them over and over again. I'm wondering, like, 
the women in the photographs have such presence. And do you feel like a connection, like almost like a, like an ancestral or psychic or spiritual connection with any of the women whose photos you've worked with? I think all of them, because I collect very carefully. I mean, I have a lot of photos, so you might not think it's as careful as it is, but I, I really choose them. Like it's kind of all in the eyeballs. A lot of them have wonderful fashion and that sort of thing. So that's also a draw. But for me, it's, it's really kind of what's in people's eyes and then also a feeling for them. Like, is this somebody I would want to know? Is there something I want to know about this person? Even if they're not attractive to me in some way, <laughs> they might, you know, it suggests a story. So yeah, it's really, it's really about kind of human relationships. I love that. Um, it's so, it's also so much about like fashion and like ornamentation and like how, how, you know, these women chose to ornament themselves um, in their place and time. And I feel like fashion in general gets really, it gets really poo-pooed as somehow like it's not intellectual, it's not worthy of scholarship, it's maybe not even worthy of concern if you're a feminist or, mm -hmm. you know, an intelligent person. And, you know, I, I just wanted to ask you also, like, do you feel... I mean, obviously you value fashion and self-expression because it's, it's, it's so, it, you know, baked into the work you're doing. But do you feel like there's a spiritual component to fashion and to, you know, ornamenting ourselves? Absolutely. I mean, I grew up with very waspy parents who were, they were beyond L.L. Bean. You know, they were just like, they were deeply, they, they're of Scottish extraction, and which is funny because Scottish fashion is real, actually very deep and interesting and beautiful. But they, my mother really did not like fashion and put it down. And I liked it a lot from a very early age. And it was one of the most important things for me around identity and figuring out who I am in the world. And with all the things that feel like silences, I, I could make up for them in a big way in things that I wore. So it's been hugely important. And then for African women, fashion really is about signage and, you know, it's very coded. It's very important. There's almost a kind of, there's a push towards a kind of hyper femininity that is problematic in some ways, except that most of those women are so physically strong and so physically capable that it, you know, it's a kind of funny juxtaposition. But I learned so much from the years that I was living and traveling in West Africa because I, I think women were really my role model. And unlike um, in the US, you know, fashion is for, we say it's for the young and the young people are the trendsetters. But in West Africa, middle-aged women are really the trendsetters because at that time they, they can afford their own clothing, they're making their own choices. They're, um, they're no longer thin, they're full-bodied, which is esteemed. And so the kind of way that they dress and express their body is, is really important. Well, you know, I've got a deck of tarot cards here and I would love to pull some cards for you. Mm -hmm. Is there anything in particular that you'd like um, to know about? You know, the tarot, wait, did, did I hear you uh, properly earlier when we were having technical difficulties that you said you actually have never had a tarot reading before? I've never had it. I, not that I don't trust it. I do, but I don't trust the readers, but I trust you. That's fair. And I'm honored. <laughs> there are a lot of um, very trustworthy readers out there at this mm -hmm. point, but I feel like earlier, I don't know, I think we're the same age and I feel like we both came out mm -hmm. of a time of just 
that not being quite the case. Like maybe yeah. there were a lot of uh, hucksters out there. But, oh, yeah. Well, this is cool. I'm honored to be your first tarot reader. And um, we I'm using this Toth deck, which is like I've been reading on it for so long. It's just like I know it really well. Um, and tarot is really great. You know, it's 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 pictures. So I always like to think like I want to ask the tarot, like, what does it look like? You know, like, what does it look like? if I do A, B, or C. So I don't know. Is there anything in particular you'd like some insight on in your life right now? I think everything. I'm, You know, with COVID, everything's at this weird standstill. And I feel like I'm remaking so many things. I'm putting so much energy in, but I have no sense of where where it's going, what it's going to look like in a year or longer. Okay. Do you want to outline some of those um, maybe areas of of life that you're, you know, like you don't have to go into too much detail if you don't want to, but just so I have an idea of like, am I picking on work, creativity, home, romance, like what, what sort of, you know, quadrants of our life? I'd say romance. I've been single. I'm a single mom and I've been single for a long time. So. Okay. And the other areas of your life you want to see how it's, what the energy's like? Where, where I'll be living. Yeah. If we're going to stay here, I live on Times Square. I want to know if we're going to bail even on America. Ooh, okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Let me see. So, so the first thing I'm going to do then is I'm going to pick some cards. I'm going to pick three cards, just trying to illuminate. Like, what does your romantic sector look like for? I would say for now into the spring through through the spring. That my readings don't necessarily forecast too far in advance, unless that's the intention. But if we're just kind of taking a temperature, let's see what it looks like for you. All right. So here are three cards for romance. And then where are you going to live? So let's look, we'll pick, th we'll pick three cards. What does it look like for you to stay where you are in Times Square? Which I can imagine that's a wild place to live. Wow. But <laughs> wonderful too, probably in some ways, but also like, you know, what's the, <laughs> I can imagine the not wonderful eventually outbalancing it. Wild. Yeah. Okay. So what does it look like though, if you guys stay there, at least for now, you know, tarot readings are all about timing and mm -hmm. it's all just for, you know, for the immediate future. What if you like let go of ideas to move and just, try, you know, settle in and see, see what happens versus what does it look like if you guys are like, bye-bye Times Square. I watched that because I have a seven-year-old, we watched the New York ball drop on New Year's. I don't let him stay up till midnight. Well, you know, you can come next year. We, we can see oh it from our roof. Oh my gosh, no <laughs> yeah. way. That's wild. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you'll you're, be there, we'll you're see. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that invitation. That's really exciting. And now let's see what it looks like, though, if you'll be celebrating New Year's in another country. You said, you know, maybe not even staying in the United States. So let's see. What does that look like for you right now? Um, do you know where you would go? I think I would go to Paris or to Lisbon. Oh, my God. That's what's in my head. It's always so hard for me as a tarot, as an opinionated Leo Rising tarot reader to not just be like, no, you should go to Paris. But we're going to see what the tarot says. <laughs> we're definitely going to see what the, what the tarot says. All right. So let's look at love first. Let's see what these three cards are. Oh, how interesting. Okay. There's a little story here for sure with a, a very promising ending to it. Your first card here is the completion card. It's the four of wands. Um, it's a Venus card. It's Venus and Aries. And it's interesting when this card comes up, you know, the minor arcana, the suits of the minor arcana in the tarot run one, one or ace. 
through 10, much like, you know, playing cards. So really the 10 is the completion. But this is really interesting when this card comes up. It means that like you've applied your energy so diligently and with such focus to something that you've sort of, you've, um, you've hit a place where you can kind of take a breath and be like, okay, what do I want now? You know? So it seems like maybe, um, I don't know, in the establishing of your career, in the raising of your child, in like whatever other work you've been doing, you've hit a place that is sort of a like, oh, I can see now that I'm really ready for something. But even though you're ready, you got a lot of worries. Here's the five of disc that just cropped up. Um, and, you know, this is like, this is, you know, the completion card is about energy. So that is about just like, you know, probably you like, at your core, you're feeling like, yes, like I've done some work. I'm a different person than like last time I was on the dating scene or, or whatever. That would be my guess with something like this. But then it's like you think about the logistics of dating, the real life. Well, how do I meet someone? Well, what does that look like? Well, who do I even want to date? And it could, it seems like it could end up, um, the worry could end up just sucking all the joy out of it or paralyzing you or making it so that you're just like, well, forget it. I don't actually care that much anyway. Um, but I think you do care. Your final card here is the magician, which is like, you know, maybe instead of letting those worries sort of like bounce around in your head, um, you know, maybe it would be a good, I, I always say like journaling and writing can really help work this stuff out, you know, uh, you know, uh, as you I'm sure know yourself, but just like, well, what are you scared of? Write it all down, you know, so you can look at it and be like, oh gosh, those are, you know, like they won't maybe have so much power once you kind of see them on the page. And, you know, if it's, and like, also just like reach out, like if you're like, how do people date in COVID? Like probably, you know, people who are dating in COVID. So you can oh, yeah. sort of ask friends like, well, what are you doing? And like, you know, how do you date as a single mom? Like, I don't know. Like, I think you can figure this out, you know, and I think you really mm -hmm. want to. And I think, I think it's time for you to, I think there's some, I mean, you know, I really love the magician in the Toth deck. Like, you know, he's golden and just like there's all these beautiful golden things kind of like being magnetized towards them. And I think it really is a metaphor for like being in a place where you're magnetic and you can manifest. So I think like it's time to look at these sort of self-defeating concerns or worries and instead, you know, so you can get back plugged into your own energy of like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm ready for this. This is certainly nothing I can't handle. I've handled far, far more complicated things in my life than like dating even but dating right. is such a particularly vulnerable place for us but but yeah man i love this i love the magician very good so now let's see yeah let's see where you'll be <laughs> dating <laughs> here <laughs> okay so let me see staying in times square oh how in staying in times square looks weirdly amazing for you i say oh, weirdly okay. only because it's like clearly you seem like maybe you want to get out but the first card you have is the sun, which is obviously like, wow, like beautiful. Everything is where it should be. Gorgeous. Um, there's children in it. Like, you know, is, is Times Square a great place to raise a kid? I don't know. It's probably not on many people's top list, but maybe in right. its own weird way, it, it is really special. Um, your next card is the lovers. When the lovers card comes up, it's not always like, I mean, it's interesting because we just picked on romance. So like, is there someone in your neighborhood? Maybe. But really, the lover's card is about um, commitment. And so coming up in the context of your home, it's almost like, 
can you recommit to it? What would it take for you to recommit to being in this place? Because look, you got the wheel of fortune as your final card. So it's like, can you do, is there anything in your, in your power to sort of level up your current living situation a little bit? Um, because, you know, the fortune card is about movement. It's the wheel. It's always moving. And it's about a change of fortune for the better. So, you know, staying in your house is not a change, but is there a change you can make that would sort of make it feel really different or more possible for you to be happily there? Honestly, this is going to be a hard trio of cards to beat. That's interesting. It is interesting, mm-hmm. right? Now, what if you, you know, leave and find a new place? It's also not bad. It's not as chock full of like, oh, those made, usually when major arcana card, cards come up like that, they have more weight mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. So to get three major arcana, you're like, whoa, I got to pay attention to that. But your cards for moving are actually quite beautiful also. The first one is the change card, which is like, okay, time for a change. I mean, it's very like, you know, I think what's, um, can I, what sign are you? Taurus. Okay. All right. That <laughs> makes sense. I'm just like, cause it was just like, um, I'm, I'm feeling this, uh, what I'm feeling from this card is a little bit of a echo of your romance cards where you're like, you're ready, but then like something's holding you back. And it feels mm-hmm. like there's like a hesitancy around change that even though you might be desiring it, there's just like also like, oh, because the change card here, the two of discs is a great card. It's Jupiter, which is like Jupiter brings gifts. So these changes that Jupiter brings are always for the best, but it's Jupiter and Capricorn. So Capricorn is like, what are you talking about? No changes for the best. I'm sorry. Who are you? Can I see your credentials? So Uh it's just like, it's a funny, there's a little tension in this card where like, it would be a great thing, but like, oh God, just having to make the change is so intimidating. However, you got the star card right after it, which is just about like, what are your biggest hopes? Like, where would you love to go? You know, like how maybe it's like setting, you know, what's your North Star? Like, can you be so daring as to like, you know, take make a radical move and like, you know, try to enact your largest vision for your best life? It's a very beautiful and inspired card. And then it's followed up by this great card. Um, It's called Strength. It's the Nine of Wands. It's Moon and Sagittarius. Moon and Sagittarius is quite restless. It's very much opposite Taurus energies. Um, It wants to go for it. It knows it can handle any sort of... It's very optimistic and and possibly um, over overestimates its capacity, but like not, it's, you know, mostly it's for the best, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't let that worry stand in its way. So there is this great reserve of sort of like a lust for adventure as a sort of optimism that, you know, do if you do choose um, to move, it's almost like you should choose to really aim big and like make a, make a move that's really magical for you instead of like a practical move, maybe more yeah. like a magical move. Um, Wow. And is that move to another country? Well, it really might be. Um, let me see. <laughs> let me see these cards here. You know, as I, I've been showing you these cards almost like in chronological order as I've laid them out, but some three card readings have a different energy to me where they feel like the middle card is like a centerpiece energy. Mm-hmm. Like the and I feel like that with this. Your middle card for the idea of moving abroad. Um, is the Aeon, which is a very powerful Major Arcana card in the Toth deck. It's a riff on the Judgment card, um, which does ask us, it kind of says, oh, here we are at the start of a new era. 
what do we want to do differently? What have we learned? It's really like a, a moment of reckoning, not in a negative way, but in a like, oh, I want to take stock. I want to take an inventory. Like, what was great? What worked? What do I want to bring with me? And like, what do I want to leave behind? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it it's sort of asking for a moment of soul searching before you enter this powerful new era of your life. Um, and there's all these different like Egyptian deities that are in in this. There's the sky god at um, Newt and there's like uh, the old pharaoh, the old god in the back who is like on the outs. And then there's the new baby deity who's like going to rule over the new age, even though his fingers in his mouth and he's like, doesn't really know what to do. So often when this card comes up, it's like you're protected, you're kind of blessed and you're going to find your way through it, but you often feel like you don't really know what you're doing. So this is an interesting card to get. Um, and I'm so- I'm starting to read this as a larger story, not sort of like, you know, not as much door number one, door number two, door number three, but the larger story of like where you will be living. Um, the other cards on this leaving the country, the first one is the four of swords, which is called truce. It's very interesting. It's another Jupiter card. Uh, it's Jupiter in Libra. And so when this card comes up, I mean, it's a, it's a great peace of mind card, but there is a bit of compromise, you know, baked into it, right? Because it's a truce and we get, we have truces over after we resolve conflicts, we have a truce. So there's some sort of conflict around leaving the country and it might be logistical. It might be just you getting your head around it because the next card you are the other card, the card on the other side of the Aeon is another swords card. Um, and it's the Prince of Swords. And he is similar to the truce card where I think he's ultimately a, a beneficial card, but it's, it's a tricky path to kind of walk through. So the story of him, he's on this chariot. You know, all the princes in this desk, de- deck are on chariots that want to move forward. But his his chariot's not moving forward because it's tied to these little fairies. They're like, you know, supposed to be his Holsteins, like pulling him into the future, but they can't do the job. They're just too small. Um, and he's recognizing this. He's, you can see him, he's kind of poised mid-action. He's about to kind of cut their reins with his sword and find the appropriate you know, uh, magical creatures to pull his chariot into the future. So this is really interesting. Um, it looks like I would say, I mean, I, I see the Aeon as a bit of a destiny card in the tarot, in the tarot and in this deck, it would feel to me looking like this, like it is, um, sort of your destiny perhaps to, to move and live in another country. It looks a little tricky to figure out how to do that. Right. With, with the truce card and the Prince of Swords, it might not come together, on the timeline you want, um, in exactly the way that you're hoping. Like there's a little bit of a truce here, but again, like the truce is, you know, ju- again, it's sort of like the change card. Jupiter brings gifts. So even though you might have to make a little bit of compromise, it's still great. You know, it's so, you know, it's definitely a moment of like, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, what I'm seeing here is like, I think maybe you want to like, get a plan together to move to another country. In the meantime, you're staying put because it's easier and it's less expensive, possibly, hopefully, than like having to move again within New York and then move, you know, you just sort of want to like, you know, conserve your resources and see if there's anything you can do to even, I mean, I don't know, with that lover's card and the wheel of fortune, can you, can you bring your rent down? Is there anything you can do to kind of make it like a little better for you to be there? Um, and then, you know, with the second thing, like, should you move? We didn't specify really with this second pull of what does it look like for you to move? If we were 
specifically in the U.S. or not. And seeing this star card and knowing that the star card is about your wildest dreams, your most radical vision, making it come true, is is that living in another country? Is that Would that kind of be your most radical, visionary-inspired dream? In some ways, yeah. Well, I don't know. You don't know? Where else would, would it be live, staying in New York? No, I, I, I feel I've lived outside of the country before for long periods, but I feel like America is not even New York. I feel very divested from mm-hmm. and I feel like I want to divest. OK, well, that's that's really telling because it's like the star really wants you to get to like, you know, if if nothing was in your way, if if all of the earthly constraints that we're always having to navigate, like we're not in place, like where would you go? What would you do? That's kind of what the star sort of dares us to to do. So so if in fact that would be like divesting from America, then then I would say that this three card reading here with change, the star and strength is really teaming up with your leaving the country reading with the A on there in the center. Mm-hmm. That one is very strong. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's very strong, right? It really, really is. And I mean, you have, this is a really important question for you because you have major arcana cards in every single facet of this reading, you know? So like the question, I mean, which is not shocking. I mean, we, our opportunities and how we feel in our bodies and spirits are so um, determined to a certain extent by our environment. So it's super important. Um, and as a Taurus, your home is going to be like so important to you. But um, it seems like this is a, a crucial moment for you to be able to like figure that out. And I, I would say move towards, move towards Europe or wherever, yeah. you know, if that's where you want to be living. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave the, I'll leave you the keys from New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. My name is Veronica Agard, and I'm here to offer a prayer that can be recited while you're cooking food. Offerings of food are a key part of ancestral veneration, but beyond what I share here, if you're looking to deepen your relationship with your ancestors, you should really seek out initiated elders within your lineage, because in this era of scammers, it's important to be in right relation. Peace in the ancestors of the lands that I reside on, I am a grateful guest. We give thanks to you and the ancestors. Blessed are the roots of this soil. Blessed are the roots of my people. Blessed are the hands who toiled the soil. Blessed are the hands that tended to the food that I'm preparing. Blessed are my hands as I am a descendant of those who were in right relationship with the land. Blessed are the hands of my ancestors who made magic and delicacies from the scraps that they were given. And so it is. Thank you for that lovely invocation, Veronica Agard, former member of the Your Magic production team. We love you. Don't be a stranger. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Your Magic. I hope we've inspired you to look at what's around you a bit more closely, whether it's family photographs or an old piece of jewelry, items you feel compelled to collect and hold close, or just something that catches your eye in a fleeting moment. Who knows? Perhaps the things of this world are trying to tell us something. 
Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. You can support us plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash this is your magic. Every single dollar makes this work possible. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at this is your magic and subscribe to our newsletter at this is your magic.com. You can rate us and subscribe right here on Spotify. Do what you need to do to never miss an episode. And you can email us at hello at this is your magic.com. We'd love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Angelica Chrysostomo. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening. <laughs>